being able to understand and put yourself empathetically in the shoes of the person you're trying to drive down a path is more valuable than like any operating chops that you could have. Welcome to the OpStars podcast, where we talk to revenue operations pros at the top of their game so that we can collectively support each other through the sharing of ideas, learning best practices, and discovering innovative new strategies. I'm your host, Don Opfos. Hey, everybody, this is uh, Don Opfos with the OpStars podcast with another episode. Uh, today, I'm joined by Michael Orndoff. Michael Orndoff is uh, just kind of a general RevOps superstar, I think, at this point. That's kind of how you would fit, right? <laughs> I've kind of played all the all the positions in, in, in the RevOps stable, I think. <laughs> You've done it all. Um, Michael and I met each other through mutual RevOps friends uh, at the uh, at, at the Salesforce World Tour in New York. Uh, and, um, got to talk to him a little bit. I think he has a great story about how he transitioned over to RevOps, uh, from sales. And I know this is a story everyone loves. He was a, he was a criminal justice major. Um, clearly you did not go in that direction. What, what is it, what is it you wanted to do with your, with your, uh, degree? Like what was your original like plan? Uh, I was planning to be a federal marshal. A federal, Okay. Federal marshal and they uh, so, so that are they are they like the equivalent uh so it's not really FBI per se it's mostly fugitive apprehension and transport and then some other like stuff so it's not so much investigating crime as much as like tracking down people that have potentially escaped or are escaping or fleeing the government got it so you graduated with that degree you were planning to go in that direction and you ended up in a sales role where. Uh, so I think my sales journey started at a career fair, my junior year, an Aflac recruiter okay. was recruiting <laughs> and I passed, like, I was able to pass my insurance exam. So that was, that was the minimum requirement, like pass an insurance exam and be able to be out on the road That's and call true. on businesses. And I was like, sure. And, um, I did that while I was in my senior year of school, in addition to like bartending and, uh, bouncing, doing bar security. Nice. And, uh, nice, nice. Yeah. And then I left the Aflac job because I wasn't making any money because it was commission only. And I went back to like just yep. bartending and, and get, going to school full time and uh, finished my degree program. And then I got hired at Blue Cross to be a health insurance agent. Got it. Because you, you had your license. Exactly. Exactly. So it was already set. You, yeah. you, you, had that, you had a demand. You had something that was in demand coming out of school. And that was being licensed to sell to sell insurance. It's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, and then you ended up at another role where you had met somebody. What? What? Can you? That that really kind of got you into Salesforce. kind of moved you over to the Salesforce, right? And that transition. So you so you moved from field sales to becoming really certified in Salesforce, uh -huh. and that happened. That happened specifically. Because of the pandemic, correct? That is 100% correct. So my insurance journey led me to being a, like a B2B sales rep for an organization called Liberty National that did supplemental insurance. Yep. And they used Salesforce. So their field sales application was built on Salesforce. They called it Epic. Um, but activity tracking, data management, reporting, dashboards, that's where I started learning about Salesforce. And then my now brother and as a user as a user yeah as a user and manager yeah a sales manager and a sales yeah. user of salesforce <laughs> yeah and then the pandemic hit correct 
<laughs> and that, of course, threw everyone upside down. And you ended up, you ended up getting like, you ended up getting laid off, right? Well, it was 1099. So I kind of just oh, continued to, oh no, yeah, I continued to, to languish. Well, <laughs> I was, I was making money. I just wasn't making as much money because I had a team of people that I was managing at that point. Got it. But it really freed up my, my time to focus on trailhead between like June and November and really learn how to be a Salesforce admin. And I was, uh, so I guess nervous that I did, uh, I did basic like beginner admin on trailhead. I did advanced admin on trailhead. I even started doing some like, <laughs> like introduction to like CPQ service cloud, sales cloud, just like anything oh, that wow. I could get my hands on in trailhead to, to prepare for the admin exam, which ended up being, uh, easy compared to like what I had put myself through pretty much, but it was, <laughs> it was a great experience. Uh, being self-taught and like going through trailhead yeah. and then using focus on force and leaning on the community to like get certified. And then, uh, I found my first role in January of 2021 and I was working at Advicent. Now I would buy invest yep. cloud. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, and I was hired there, uh, after they had been eight months without a Salesforce resource, they didn't have any uh, other Salesforce resources in-house, uh, and they had been on Salesforce for about eight years and they were kind of running the gambit. They were a PE run Vista owned organization when I joined. Okay. So they, they okay. were on, on the Vista tech stack, which was, you know, Salesforce, sales cloud, service cloud, Marketo, uh, marketing automation. CPQ implemented and then uh circa 2013 so a lot of legacy apex code running a lot of automation stuff like that so fun place right and i think you 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 had mentioned that you really you really went into that role and it was pretty complex what they had set up and there was a lot of a lot of data debt because they didn't really have an admin for eight what eight months you eight said eight months without one um, and the previous ones had kind of been firefighting up until when they were uh, leaving so like Nobody had really cleaned anything out of the instance. <laughs> I call it I call it being a digital janitor. So like you basically joined, and they wanted they 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 hired you to to basically go fix all this stuff because it was such a mess, right? I I was yeah I was basically hired with with the intent of like we don't have somebody that knows how to do this stuff, but everything runs on this stuff, so we need someone. And I had a, <laughs> I had a sales background and I was reporting to a VP of sales. So he was like, you're going to do what I need you to do in Salesforce and then make sure we have what we need for board reporting and, you know, equity reporting. And that's going to be that. And I was cool. right. <laughs> right. So what did you think after, after doing trail node, after like, you know, learning all you could learn and then getting certified and then basically getting baptized by fire, <laughs> by by going by going to a company that was pretty much a mess, like did did you did you did you regret it or like like what, what, what was your feelings like after after being there for a bit? I didn't really have like a gauge, and I'd like that was like I got into sales, and my background was kind of just like you just got to do what you have to do. You got to try hard. You got to work hard. You got to do the best that you can to understand it. Trailhead prepared me. Not very much, like as most Salesforce professionals would tell you in the wild, like once you're in a fully customized environment, Trailhead kind of is like, yeah, that's how it should work. But like somebody else already built over this like massive fissure in this system, like two, two people before me and I got to figure out how to make it work now. Um, but 
I felt empowered then, by like the certification process. I felt like I had what I, 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 right. I knew a direction I needed to go. And I actually used like Salesforce's optimizer report to report to my VP oh. <laughs> on like that I was making progress. I was just like, hey, like this is the <laughs> measuring stick that I'm aware exists. And like, this is how far we've deviated yeah. from it. So I'm going to pin <laughs> my goals to getting back to, <laughs> to optimized. Better. And again, and again, for, for people that don't know, like the, the optimizer report in, in Trailhead is pretty much like the, like, it's like one of the first things you, you, you do, right? Yeah. It's like, go try, you know, go, go install this, you know, it package in your instance and see what it's like. And it's like one of the first things you do, right? And then, and, uh, so, <laughs> and so, I, like, so, so I set up the report <laughs> in that instance and it's like, you're living in a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> But like immediately sends an email to Mark Benioff. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's just like, how did anybody let them build like this? No. Um, no, but it uncovered a lot of stuff, like uh, 28 frozen right. admin users that have been hard-coded in Apex. Oh. And like, oh my so it was, like, it was good. It was really great experience for being able to say like, hey, like I'm going to go try and clean this stuff up in a sandbox, not break anything, and then clean up in production and not break anything, but still be able to get a little bit more optimization out of the system. And I was documenting at the same time as I was going through this stuff. So I was kind of... Man, I was going to say, I was going to say, none of, none of what you entered into was documented, I'm not sure. Not at all, right? right. Yeah, yeah. No... Very little. So like, <laughs> so the people that did exist before me uh, that were working there, they wrote some documentation and they were really great guys and they were nice enough to get, and this is where I love the Salesforce community is like, they were nice enough to set once a week calls up with me on Wednesday nights at like 5.30 PM for me to hop in and be like, Hey guys, you made these decisions and I need to understand why. <laughs> and they would actually like break down some more complexities that exist within the system. So it opened me up to the network really, really well as well, but it was definitely baptized by fire and definitely prepared me a lot for understanding that like, it's best to be adaptable and try to become more efficient than it is to just be like, I'm going to die on the hill of best practices and efficiency. Yeah. 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 And then, okay. And then, and then you had mentioned, uh, Advocent then got acquired by InvestCloud. Yeah. So six months after I joined and after all of my cleanup and the start improvements, uh, Advicent's acquired by a company called InvestCloud. And I was, uh, promoted to report to the president of sales for North America for InvestCloud. And my responsibilities included all of the stuff that I was doing for Advicent, uh, plus helping manage the pipeline for her team. Um, of 15 yep. sales reps, as well as report on uh, revenue movement into the P&L, as well as uh, help with headcount, as well as kind of catch all if it had to do with Excel, which everything did in that business. I was kind of had my hand on it, trying to make sure that it was getting cleanly processed. <laughs> so they, so did, were they operating out of spreadsheets as well as Salesforce? Uh, so they, Advicent was operating out of Salesforce uh, and reporting into spreadsheets that it, InvestCloud was running on Excel. Like they did not use a system, they were using Excel. Uh, so shared OneDrive documents was how we did pipeline oh, wow. management and uh, forecasted and P&L management. And uh, it's also how I built their contract management system because they didn't have that. Right. Um, so yeah. So it was, it was kind of a, it was a great experience to apply the things that I'd learned about Salesforce as a relational database and that, that I'd learned about data structure and efficiency within systems to kind of 
construct some systems and process for managing the uh, recurring revenue there because right. there wasn't one when I started, which was fun. It's like a, it's like the amateur the amateur got opened. Like all of a sudden, you got exposed to things you probably never really had before. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, what was so what was that? like i mean what, what were some of the challenges the successes like yeah. how, how did that impact the business like where where did, where did it end up um so while i was at invest cloud i was helping with pipeline management but uh some of the larger projects i ended up working on was for the chief of client success officer uh who didn't really have uh access into like arr or like annual recurring revenue at risk to really report on nrr to the board and to them uh what we believed you know at the time they were hoping for, you know, IPO and stuff like that. So um, there was preparations being made among the board. And so we were trying to get better prepared for the market. And no one had really a handle on revenue at risk, where we were going to land. Um, so I ended up taking on a project, digging through over 350 agreements with, uh, you know, big name logos. Uh, in a DocuSign CLM collating, you know, contract end dates, terms, auto renewal terms, CPI. Uh, yeah. And then built a process, a, a, a way for that data to then roll up to a very, like a board ready dashboard to report on ARR, both secured at risk and uh, NRR as a function of that, as well as like the total book of business for, for the organization. Cause I didn't limit myself to the year that I was reporting in. It was, it was any agreement so that we had it for the next 10, 15 years kind of thing. Cause they, they had longer contracts. Um, so I built out a way for him to see the, you know, 60 plus million we had an ARR at risk in that year and be able to get account management and client success people on a process to update that weekly so that we understood how much ARR was secured and what our NRR looked like in, in relation to our revenue at risk. So it ended up being a really big impact for, for the organization. Good for my visibility, um, and help, oh, help, yeah. helped with, uh, a lot of the challenges we were facing, like data, um, allowed me to enable change and implement process across the organization. And then, um, they began the, the process of transitioning to a product led growth, uh, go to market motion, which right. opened up some opportunity to see some more cross-functional things. And uh, I was able to help kind of guide based off of what I saw in our data, uh, a, a go-to-market strategy that fit into the modular nature of the products that the direction they were going in. So it was, it was good. Right. So you really, that really led you into being able to take kind of the, the holistic approach to, rev, to RevOps, which is something I always talk about of, you know, you really own everything that the customer journey is from the beginning of, of becoming a marketing lead all the way through to becoming a renewing customer. So you, you, you pretty much ended up, you ended up in a room where you were touching everything on front end systems, back end systems. How, how did you, how did you make sure that all the parts of the business uh, are aligned and contributing effectively towards those goals? Once you, once you kind of had that, that span of control, uh, over, over, over what you were over overseeing uh, as part of your role. So, uh, as part of my role, I just had a lot of influence in these conversations and had the ability to like uh, inform others. Uh, not so much, yep. you know, make decisions, but help drive decision making. Just to be clear, though. Yeah. But the main thing that I always kind of harped on was understanding the situation and being adaptable to to what was needed, um, and then just really 
getting into talking to end users at each of the silo departments to break down those silos and understanding like what are your true inputs that you need to generate the outputs that we need as an organization to continue to move forward at the like most simplest form and then being able to like, right. easily communicate that cross-functionally to the to the to the organization parts of the organization that are supplying those those inputs to that to that function so whether that be billing delivery sales sales handing off to customer success a bdr handing off to an ae like the same principle applies across the organization for the entire business to be able to function so right facilitating those conversations and then informing the appropriate parties of what the minimum requirements were to be able to move forward and then how quickly we could move forward after that point kind of helped that's crazy yeah did you did you get i mean so i know vista Vista's pretty big on like you're gonna do it the vista way right when when they come into an org i have to imagine i mean did you did did, did this raise any attention did vista recognize that like whoa this 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 mega orndorff guy is onto something he's really good did, did you get any did you get any attention at the vista level at so all? vista had exited InvestCloud purchased. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. got so, it, got so, it. So uh, InvestCloud, uh, and I, I, I did have conversations at the C-suite of InvestCloud often. Uh, I still know people that are over there. So, so yeah, I had a lot of visibility across the organization with the with the projects I was I was touching. Got it, got it. Yeah. So I mean, so you so you would you exited InvestCloud and went over to to EverCommerce. And that was a relationship you had with somebody, right? Uh, it was actually a talent acquisition at EverCommerce reached out to me. Uh, oh, let me say to yeah, you. Yeah, okay. Recruited me for for the role that I, I was hired for, uh, reporting to the VP of sales at, at one of the subsidiary organizations. And since since then, I've been promoted to work at the central EverCommerce organization and, and manage a lot more of the uh, go-to-market motions for other subsidiaries outside of the one I was I was originally brought on to support. Yeah, I mean, and that probably happened because you you've had a lot of significant success for improving those efficiencies and the sales velocity at EverCommerce. What what were some of the things or you know tools uh, did you use to to implement those those results? Yeah, so from a, a strategy perspective and 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 a and a tool perspective, I, I had a uh, I've always had a very uh, inspect what you expect mentality when it comes to to saying, you know, we have goals and KPIs and it's like, cool, how are we, how are we measuring those and what's our measuring stick and, and what's the indicators and, and how do we know in as leading way as possible, right? The, the, the most early leading indicator to be able to say whether or not we're going to hit that goal is, is usually what I'm trying to track. Um, so with that in mind, I, I started implementing a lot more reporting and uh, system constraints and process requirements and rigidity within the process for the sales team. Uh, and I think through that and, and enabling the managers as to like how to use those leading indicators as far as activity tracked or, or stage, yep. stage management, true, true process management um, within Salesforce to, to help them drive deals. Uh, through making dashboards and reporting, which I know Salesforce loves, I love keeping people in Salesforce. It's definitely like like it's from a, from a, from a from a sales and a user perspective. I, I prefer not to have them change systems. However, I did I right. did see the need to bring in like a sales engagement tool. So so I used uh, outreach when we made a decision on yep. on a vendor for that uh, for for a lot of reasons. But usability and and onboarding was was one of the the top ones. Uh, so 
we we implemented outreach and i think that that also helped a lot with efficiency just again introducing that rigidity and repetitive way of handling leads and and processing them through the funnel trying trying to turn it into a repeatable engine you know how that works <laughs> yeah no exactly i mean no coming i mean honestly coming coming out of sales and going into rev ops i think you and i are on the same page around having that empathy of the user where it's like i I, I know what I need as a RevOps professional, and I know how much as a salesperson you're going to hate giving me what I need. Exactly. So one of, <laughs> one, of, one of the things you want to do are find tools like a great sales engagement platform so that you don't have to worry about the fact that they're logging activities properly, that they're tracking their emails, that they're, they're, they're logging their meetings. Like You want to automate as much as you can so that you can get the information you need without having to burden them so that they could do the things that they're paid a lot of money to do, which is build relationships you know, sell, and, and sell. Sell more. Bring me more booked revenue. Yeah. That's what I want you doing. I don't want you putting stuff in systems. I want it to to kind of just appear there and you to go to do your contract. You know, that's that that's the ideal world that I want to live in and provide for my sales users. But at the end of the day, that's the end yep. world I want to provide for all users in all systems. It's like, hey, like, I pay you to bills. I want you to be billing. I don't want you to be worrying about data entry. Hey, you're a BDR. I want you to be talking to people. Hey, I like it's like yep. it's 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 getting people back into like your job is your job. It's not your job plus being a data analyst. Let me handle the collection of that. And I think one thing that was really stand out for me was outreach logs tasks back to Salesforce as standard tasks, which means I can report on it and everything. That's my biggest like thing with Einstein activity capture and the unified activity reporting object is just like, hey, like if you're gonna ask me to use your your tech stack and understand that these are this is how you're gonna capture things automatically, like I need to be able to process that information in the same way that I would process any other activity data. So one of the things um, you talked about earlier, kind of kind of at the front end of your of your RevOps journey, was relying on the kind of a Salesforce, like the Trailblazer community to help you. And I know, I know for me, I've talked about how for me, modern sales pros, like I was one of the founding members of that group, Pete Kazanji, way back when, um, you know, first round capital was, we had a dinner at their office and now it's really grown to be this, this organization with thousands of people in it where we're all really just trying to help each other, not reinvent the wheel. Um, I know, I know you're, you've also, you're also the founding member of, of Red, Rev Genius and you're, you're a member of Wizard of Ops. How, how, you know, how do you find that those communities enrich your personal life uh, and the broader field of, of Rev Ops? Um, what, what is it like for you to kind of help others, you know, in the ways, in ways that you were helped? I mean, it's one of the most amazing things as far as what I've seen in the community, as far as like leaning in and engaging more of uh, finding so many like-minded people that are, you know, we're, we're all kind of tasked with the same thing of, of, you know, approve efficiency at all costs. And, and not a whole lot of people understand the nuances that kind of come into, come into play with that. So it's, it's a great place to connect with people that are also going through what I'm going through at organizations. Cause it seems like yep. you're always, always talking Latin to people when it's just like, Hey, this is how the conversion <laughs> rates work and this is what you're doing and this is why it's not okay <laughs> and it needs to be doing this way and this in this fashion, right? But it's been great for me personally and I feel like, you know, I've, I've gone to 
dinners and events and outings and you know we've done happy hours and stuff like that together and it's it's just a really great way to develop solid relationships uh nationally and internationally i've met friends you know globally through the communities rev genius and wizard of operations so um yep i think it's it's a great way to also find people that are i mean it's kind of how it's how we it's met exactly really. how we met right <laughs> like truly candidly we met through a mutual friends that were, were in we're in the community yep. And we were all just kind of hanging out, and then it's like, yeah, Don, meet Mike. Mike, Michael's Don. Exactly. And Mo, you go by Mo. Yeah, I do. Go I do Mo, go by right? Mo. I do go by Mo most of the Mo, time. Mo, Mo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing I love to talk about on the podcast is, you know, what what cool new tech uh, is out there. And when we when we had our when we talked up when we did a little prep call, uh, you turned me on to one called Team Fluence, and I've been using it. It's pretty slick. Uh, can, can you talk about how you're using it and, and why you like it? Yeah. So, uh, team fluence is something that I've started using kind of out of a function of starting my little own, own little like RevOps consultancy on the side, a little moonlighting business that I have. Um, so yep. I started paying a little bit more attention to my LinkedIn engagement and I was nice enough to get a six month premium free trial to LinkedIn that ended two months ago. And so I had gone without my analytics for a little bit. So it was, it was a nice free tool that I could use to, to get access to that kind of backend analytics and engagement information. Um, and I've just been kind of messing around with it and seeing what works and what makes the numbers go. It's very gamified. So it's like, just see, yeah. see, see what makes the numbers go up. But also, um, I have a very like I don't post to LinkedIn every day. Uh, I feel like I adopted a, a, a really good friend of ours kind of mentality when it comes to the socials, Brad, which is like you post when you're feeling genuinely inspired to post. Um, yep. Or, you know, when you have something coming up in an event to post and, 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 and drive, drive <laughs> traffic for, right? So like, uh, but. And that's, and that's, and that's, uh, to be clear, that's Brad Smith, founder of Sonar. That is Brad. Yeah, 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 it is. It is. Just, <laughs> just to be clear, see Sonar, you know? See <laughs> Sonar. Um, but yeah, so TeamFluence is a really great tool. Another really great one that I've been using lately and one that all of us, I think, have tried out is Notion, but separate from that is a tool called Driveway, which is a, a Google extension uh, plugin for your Chrome browser. Okay. Um, and if for anybody in revenue operations, you know, documentation is your least favorite thing to do. Uh, this tool makes it, <laughs> but, but you should do you it. You should do it. You should always do it because someone will appreciate it eventually. Yeah. We think. Uh, <laughs> we're pretty sure. <laughs> but cause you never know when you're going to get let by a bus. Correct. Right. And you want to make, you don't want to be, you don't want to be, you want ever, you don't ever want to be in a position where someone's using your name in vain. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Just CYA. That's what documentation is. Anyway. No, I'm yeah. kidding. Uh, but, but driveway <laughs> is a really great tool because it was developed for Salesforce specific documentation and it highlights all of your clicks. It captures them. And it also uses like generative AI to put your, like it writes your steps and descriptions for you. Which I always, which I thought was really cool, and it puts everything into a really easy to edit video clip format, so it's easy to digest for your users, and you can get transcripts and step by step guides. It's I I, I like it a lot. Uh, I I use it anytime anybody asks me for documentation, uh, because it highlights and writes ninety percent of everything. It just requires a little bit of tweaks. Yeah, very cool. And then I mean, how do you hear about this stuff? Like, I mean, I think, I think everyone's always trying to stay abreast of like new technologies. They don't want to get behind. They want to know like, what is the next outreach? You know, they want to make sure that they're kind of like out there 
adopting the technologies that are going to, you know, move the needle. Like, how, how do you hear about this stuff? Being active in the communities is one way. Uh, I am, I subscribe yeah. to, uh, I think like a, a newsletter or two. And then, um, I talked to people in our network. So like, uh, team fluence, I got put on team fluence by our friend Cliff over at Carabiner group. Yeah. And he, he was the one that was just like, this is what me and my team are on to, for like business development. I was like, dude, that's really cool. So, uh, and then I found out later on that another friend of mine is the person behind team fluence, Steven Morrell over ah, at jacks.ai ah. and i didn't even know that when i signed up <laughs> so the most, I was, but it's How very funny. cool uh small world is what i thought and then um the driveway app was uh michael muse at muse operations how funny and he, i mean and these are people you're connected through through obviously wizard of ops wizard of ops is, is both of those ones and rev genius with cliff as well so yeah so and yeah. uh yeah it's I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't talk about the community enough. It's, it's been, it's been amazing. <laughs> I mean, for my career growth, as well as like my knowledge expansion, I mean, virtual happy hour on Fridays for the WizOps like group is like, you get so much advanced, like thinking and knowledge and systems and frameworks just from showing up and asking a question. It's, it's amazing. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, for people that are looking to kind of do the jump, right? They're, they're in a sales role today. Um, you know, they, 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 they are attracted to, uh, the RevOps function. You know, they want to move into that role. What, what would be a key piece of advice that you'd give to someone that's really looking to enter the field of RevOps, particularly around leveraging like the Salesforce ecosystem? Yeah. Uh, Salesforce is trailhead. Like I would, I would, I would use trailhead. I would, there are so many and it's free, it is, it's, right? It's, it's free. completely free. There are so many trail mixes created by like very knowledgeable and experienced professionals in the Salesforce ecosystem that can like literally give you exactly what you need to know leading up to an exam. And then there's so much support. And then it, I think it's one of the only kind of professional certification programs where if you mess it up the first time around they'll give you credit towards your second attempt um and and then there's also so many tools i used to focus on force for my exam prep uh, i just got got okay. one of their prep exams for it was super affordable i think it was like 20 dollars. and then oh that's yeah cheap. and and then just you know trailhead and cram and and yeah you know my other advice would be if you're really interested in making the jump, see if you can find a junior admin position at an organization with someone that's willing to nurture your your interest and and grow that way, um, and then and then sit for a certification after you have some experience. Uh, I think it could go either way. From 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 my personal experience, I f I feel like I was happy that I went through Trailhead and sat for a certification yep. prior to learning anything that was like. I learned the wrong way to do it. So now I don't know how to answer this question kind of thing. Cause there are yep, definitely yep. questions like that on, on the admin exam where it's just like, now that I've been in an organization, the answer could be custom object <laughs> every time, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those are the messy orders, exactly. right? Like the people that just go run off and they, they build all these custom objects because that's the only way they solve anything. They never leverage the, maybe a custom field and a standard object, which might be the smarter thing to do. Correct. Right? And, and, or, or never <laughs> leverage tools like Sonar or, uh, you know, I think another one out there now, uh, the name escapes me, but like 
sonar is a really great example of a tool that you can leverage to see what's being used where and why and like and when and, and how much and like with now with yep. field spy yep. right like it's just it's it's uh those tools are definitely like better they're they're, they're better than having your your admin hunt and peck inside set up yeah. and try and figure out what's going on <laughs> yeah so probably making that shift would give you some stability for pay but do you find that it is that much of a step down in pay to make that change? Um, for me, it 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 wasn't that much. Uh, so, okay. so in as an example, in 2019, I had grossed eighty six thousand into my LLC uh, for for insurance sales. Um, as yep. it, it, for people that are ten ninety nine, that'll make sense. Um, and then in 2020, it was about sixty three. Uh, in 2021, I started my first role at 75. And that was, that was as a, that was as an admin. Yeah. Too, Salesforce, right? just Salesforce administrator, yeah. no junior, no senior, just, just straight. And, yeah. and the only reason that, that I got that interview was because I was certified before I applied. Yeah. I was going to say the certification, the certification probably gave you that leg. Exactly. Up, right? And, and having, and, like and, you- and, and talking about being a user. I cannot stress it enough that it being a user of Salesforce has value. Like it has a yeah. lot of value as an admin, as an admin, as yeah, an admin. as an ad, as yeah. as an operator, as an admin, as as anything. Being able to understand and put yourself empathetically in the shoes of the person you're trying to drive down a path is more valuable than like any operating chops that you could have. It's a big deal. <laughs> so I mean, I know you made that change in the midst of the pandemic. So obviously. You know, your career really shows a more remarkable ability to adapt and thrive, even even in challenging times. What are some of your personal philosophies or strategies that you credit for your resilience and success? I live in the present a lot, and I just kind of try to deal with things as they come and plan for the worst case scenario as much as possible. Um, I uh, I've, I do like read stoic philosophy from time to time and and focus on on kind of thinking about life in a in a way of, of virtues as opposed to like happy sad uh stressed uh relaxed like it's all just kind of a state of being so i just try to try to kind of stay as grounded as i can and uh my my mom gave me a really great gift that i don't think i might not be able to talk about on your podcast um was it a book it it was no it was a it was it was a little letter but the letter's got a lot of the a four letter uh word that starts with f in it but it's 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 basically about a a jar of of fricks that you can give about things and like you only get so many (laughs) you only get so many fricks to give don right the, the jar the jar only has so many exactly exactly (laughs) And, and the jar is your life and there's just there's just I can only care enough about the things that I have control over. And and in reality, yep. in our reality, yes, we can move the levers and knobs, but we can't control the people on the other side. So the best thing that we can do is just try to prepare them as best as we can and then and then put them through the best process that we can. And and really and from my experience, it's, it's always easier if you can explain why and how it benefits the user as to why you need to get something done. It's never fun to just yep. be like, hey, here's this extra field to fill out because somebody said you needed it. It's like, well, why'd they need it? What is it? Can I fill it out somewhere else? Yep. Is it already done? Like, I don't know. Well, just takes, you know, extra two seconds. Just give a, just give yep. a little frick about the user. Yep. 
No, it's very true. That's that's awesome. <laughs> Go on your mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so final question, and we'll, we'll wrap it up. How do you see the role of RevOps evolving in in the next few years? The advancement of like AI, uh, other things that are happening in technology, changing landscape of sales and marketing. You know, there's a, I think there's a big shift happening now of people moving to to buying groups from ABM. ABM used to be the whole thing. Now it's like buying groups. Buying groups. Yeah, you know, it's, it's everyone's talking about it like ABM. You know, five six years ago. Like what, what, how do you, you know, what do you, what is, if you had a crystal ball, you know, what, what do you, what do you see as up and coming for, for what we have in our, in our, in our RevOps, you know, uh, future? That's a lot to unpack, uh, what you just threw at me. <laughs> um, what do I see? So I, I guess I'll start with the first portion where you're referencing like technology and AI advancements. What, what, yeah, I, what yeah. I see with that is, is potentially our our users do get out of the data entry portion and it starts being handled yep. by by something that we train to to parse and 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 store the data how we how we see it and how we want to see it and and be able to model it cleanly i think that that would be one really great improvement i think the difficulties is is like automation and and like logical decision making is is conceptually it's like oh that'd be cool if we could get a computer to do that stuff for us but realistically like the humans that are making the decision to use the system is is are are going to be the problem just like that's usually the problem with delivering poor solutions is miscommunication and so like if you if, yep. if like that's i think that's going to be the learning curve with with ai is is like figuring out how to communicate and get what you want out of the system yep Prompt engineer. Exactly. Exa <laughs> it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great job. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but but then the thing is is like how do you prompt engineer the priorities of a CEO whose priority has changed three times in the last twenty minutes? You know what I mean? And like yeah. like that's realistically yeah. like what we're up against most of the time as revenue operators is 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 decision makers that that are having to deal with multiple priorities from different stakeholders at, at varying times and, and asking you to shift priorities as opposed to deliver on the things that you know you need, you know? Yeah. That's, and then, and that's, that's something that requires, you know, learning to, to overcome as well. Um, as an, as, as a function, I think I see revenue operations is, is in, in my opinion, uh, in, in my very, I think, short time on the scene, it, it was like sales operations. Then it was like, okay, now it's revenue operations. And then revenue operations is a, is, is actually marketing operations, sales operations, and customer success operations. And go to market operations. And now it's go to market <laughs> operations. And really at the end of the day, I think as a, 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 again, breaking things down to their simplest parts, if your job is revenue and how it operates within the business, then it also should take into consideration the entire business, cogs, your your margins, your your delivery, the operations that deliver, yeah. the product. So at the end of the day, revenue operations as a function of business operations, one will uh, effectively absorb the other to become yeah. to become like a holistic new generation of operation for 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 yep. a, for a business in my mind because that's that's my philosophy of revenue operations is it doesn't end at 
the data that's in Salesforce. It doesn't end at like, oh yeah, now I have, I have, I have my lead record. I have my contact, my account now. Now I have my opportunity. Now I have my subscription to my contract. And, and this is, this is what I handle. These are my things. Like, no, because you have to consider integrations with accounting systems, integrations with delivery systems, yep. understanding the, the, the nuances that exist between when you deliver with CPQ versus delivering with only opportunity products and opportunities and, and like how all of that moves through the organization that is a business, not Salesforce. Like Salesforce is the entry point for a lot of data and most organizations that leverage it. But then they're, but, yep. but if you're using people that are only thinking about Salesforce, your other business units are never going to get what they need. Yeah, that's very true. Well, this has been a fantastic podcast. I'm so I'm so glad number one that I got to meet you as a function of the community that that we met, you know, at World Tour uh, as a result of mutual friends like Brad. Um, uh, I think that was awesome. Been a, I loved having you on the on the podcast. Love getting to talk to you and understand your journey. You, you know, again, a lot of people I've had on the podcast same same journey, right? You, you, they came out of sales, they came out of finance, and then they ended up in RevOps, and then they ran with it. And I think I think you have a fantastic story. It was a great one to tell. Um, thank you for joining us uh, for another episode of OpStars. Uh, we look forward to to uh, to hear to having you uh, having you hear our next episode. The OpStars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for OpStars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at OpStars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.